everybody. Welcome back to the WIL Take Ownership podcast, where we're all about taking ownership of your mental, your economics, and your community. Obviously, things are a little bit different today. We're meeting you guys all on Zoom. So shout out to Zoom and, and the CEO who just went up, I think, $2 billion in net worth. Um, thanks for having us all, and I'm glad you guys are all joining us today. Uh, I'm going to go around and introduce everybody briefly, but to change it up a little bit, I'd like for you guys to say a little bit about your background so the folks at home can understand who you are exactly and why what you're saying is pertinent to the conversation around COVID-19, the coronavirus. Uh, Lawrence, we'll start with you, man. Welcome to the show. Sure. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate being here. Um, certainly, this is a topic that everyone wants to talk about, so glad to talk about it. Uh, my background, I'm the founder of a real estate tech software business um, designed to help do-it-yourself landlords and their tenants. Uh, we help them basically take everything online. So right now, timing for us is, is really pertinent. Um, essentially, we're streamlining those services so you can pay your rent online, submit rental applications online, and kind of keep everything secure in the cloud through those services. Awesome. And you're, you're a landlord yourself in Chicago, correct? Yeah, that's right. I've got six units here in Chicago. So been talking with my own tenants about the situation and just communicating with them about what my expectations are. So it's great to hear their side of it, too. Uh, it will be interesting to see how this all plays out. Definitely, definitely. Hey, Kyle, want to pick it up, man? Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Alpha. Uh, and any additional social interaction during these times is, is, is welcomed. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I am uh, Executive Vice President at Simonelli Real Estate Corporation, which is a uh, Buffalo-based full-service real estate company with uh, also offices in Florida and in Pennsylvania. Um, we primarily are in the commercial real estate uh, world, but as you know, do have a considerable amount of residential as well. So, uh, you know, happy to, to talk about how this is sort of affecting us on a daily basis. Definitely, definitely. And David, you want to pick it up, man? Yes. Um, pleasure to be here on this topic. Um, I'm David Kalinowski, Executive Director at Builds. Belief in us increases live dignity. And I have a background with a master's in social work, clinical social work, and a master's in public health. And I uh, practice both in New York City. So I'm happy to talk about this topic and discuss disease or, you know, social functions and wellness, too. Yeah, all, all, all the above, man. So I'm, it's a pleasure to have you all. Full disclosure, so David was on uh, my trip to Columbia. So this past Monday was my birthday. Um, we were out in Colombia for uh, was supposed to be a week, um, but COVID-19 had other plans in terms of how it was changing things in real time, right? Um, I know when we were initially booking everything, it wasn't a worry so much. As the week got closer, of course, it became a real big worry. Um, we thought we could at least, you know, weather the storm, but unfortunately, day after day, we were getting just hit with more damning information from the U.S., from the Columbia government. And we, the three of us that were on the trip kind of staggered our exit out. One was 36 hours, one was 48 hours, which was me, David, after four days. Um, but none of us are there now, um, unfortunately, from what's happened. So to, to start, I'll actually I'll start with David first. Um, David, what are, what are some of the things that, you know, just even from your practice and, and what you know, are some of the ways folks can um, think about within their community of ways to, to make sure they're not spreading the disease or getting it? What are ways to, to diminish or uh, lessen the exposure? Um, well, I think first is understanding the transmission. So with COVID-19, it's 
spread through two ways mainly. Um, I'm getting my internet connections unstable. I'll stop moving. But it's through a contact and through air droplets. So through air droplets, if someone coughs or sneezes, you know, any of the moisture in the air um, that may transfer to someone else through a cough or a sneeze or even sweat, which is why sports are all shut down right now. Um, that's a good leadership position to take. Um, that's an easy way to transmit. And through contact, if someone touches a surface that has the disease, like a, a table surface, um, cardboard for some reason doesn't, the disease can't live as long on cardboard. Um, it's usually less than 24 hours, but on like a, a wood or, you know, a stone surface, it can live longer. So that's why washing hands is important um, as it kills bacteria and other disease. Lysol does the job too. Um, alcohol kills a lot of things. Um, so those are some measures um, to help prevent you know, the, the quarantine is also helpful, too, um, especially if you're living in a metropolis or urban center. Um, we're touching doorknobs and surfaces all the time. Um, and if you're using public transportation, it's sometimes like an incubator um, where there's not much ventilation getting through. And, you know, all different types of characters are, you know, touching a... Uh, the services. So those are things to, to be weary of. But again, washing your hands, um, covering your sneezes, covering your coughs with either a tissue or the inside of your elbow um, are all best practices to, you know, help slow the transmission rate. Certainly, man. I appreciate the insight there. And I imagine probably cardboard boxes is probably more porous of a surface. So it's, it's hard to stay on the sheet, whereas like, you know, a rock or plastic it is very tight-knit right um, so you know I heard with plastic bags if, if you're a young person getting groceries for your grandparent for example what you're told to do is you know get the groceries put them in front of the door and then kind of pull the bag down a bit so that your grandparents can just grab the food out of the bag because uh, and, and they should leave the bags outside because for, for the young person to throw away of course um, because uh, it can live on the surface for up to three days so that is, that's, that's very, very helpful and insightful information. Uh, Kyle and Lawrence, you, you guys are both landlords, right? So you're, you're, the thing about housing is that's a very emotional space because right now all four of us are sitting in our homes, um, right? You know, whether it's your living room, whether it's your, your you know, kitchen, you know, uh, uh, bedroom, whatever the case is. So when it comes to being a landlord, you know, how, what, is, what have some, been some of the things you guys have dealt with already? Like what have been some of the maybe emails you've gotten from tenants uh, regarding concern? Um, what are things proactively you guys have thought about? Um, Lawrence, I'll, kind of, I'll throw it to you first, man. Like how have you been approaching it? And even with your company too, you know, what are some of the things you guys are doing to ensure landlords know how to, how to operate and, and, and work through this whole process? Sure. Yeah. I'll start with my personal experience first and, and talk about what we're seeing with our, our landlords and tenants. But for me, I've already gotten several emails from my existing tenants. Um, I've got a tenant who's supposed to be moving in um, in three weeks, like just in the middle, just past middle of April. So we've already been talking about it. And does the move still happen or does the move not happen at this point? And um, as of now, we've, we've talked about it. The move should still happen. I've got a cleaning crew coming in who will spend three, four hours um, turning over the place before he gets there. And so 
Um, I think part of that process, just moving in and out, you have to be extra careful around cleaning and um, that turnover. So uh, now is not the right time to be a negligent landlord uh, in those ways. You just got to keep things clean. For my other tenants, the big thing is just communication. So well, I sent out an email to all my tenants saying, hey, let me know if you foresee any issues. Um, I don't think communicating with them is going to encourage issues. It just at least allows for communication, and that way I won't be all of a sudden first of the month and won't receive the rent. I think this is a time where both landlords and tenants are going to have to work together, compromise on things, and figure out how can both parties make it through. You know, Obviously, if a tenant can't pay the rent, um, that's a real issue for them. It can also be an issue for the landlord because we don't, we're not flush with cash like everyone thinks we are. We have to make our own mortgage and expenses. So um, there's, there's a lot that has to happen there that just if we can keep those open lines of communication with them, things get smoother. For our customers, and we've got 200,000 landlords and 400,000 tenants. And so we see a lot of traffic just coming into our support channels around how should we handle this um, and what should we do. And, and so we actually created an article uh, specifically for landlords and building owners to help navigate these times. We've got some templates that we've given to them that um, they can email out to their tenants. If anyone's interested in seeing those templates, um, I'm sure we can share a link at some point um, for that. You can get it easily at avail.co slash COVID. Um, but I'm sure we can share a link to those things afterwards. And once this video goes live, we, we can certainly tag those links at the end as well. I was able to, to, to kind of peruse through a few of them. Very, very helpful information. Um, and downloadable, you know, templates around emails and all kinds of stuff. So really good stuff. Sure. The other thing I think that landlords probably have to be careful about now is maintenance issues that come up. Because you know, with us, you know, kind of these stay at home ordinances, you can't really just go on site to fix things where you have to be careful with how you, you go on there and you don't want to put other people at risk. So um, what, what I've been telling my tenants is if the maintenance isn't super urgent, let's just let it stack up until after this clears. But if it's urgent, if it's something about the toilet or the heat or flowing water, we should take care of that right away because those are sanitation things that just need to be fixed, especially at a time like this. So uh, maintenance is another area where we're starting to see that a lot of communication is building up because of COVID. Sure, man, sure. And, and, and Kyle, for you, man, you're, you're commercial and residential, right? So what has that process been like with your commercial tenants? Um, and what has it been like already on the residential side as well? Well, it's been a little more active on the residential side, as you can imagine, as people are flushing into their apartments and away from their offices. Um, you know, it, it's, it's sort of like we have a... a it, and a normally commercial focused company, we're actually just we're shifting our property management over towards the the residential now. And just to give you you know an idea of, of what size property management we have of the 120 employees we have in in Buffalo, New York, about 75 of them are purely property management. So it, the majority of our business is really towards uh, maintaining our properties, and 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 we we like to overstaff in a way so we can be in a position to, to react when a lot of this stuff happens. But, you know, I think Lawrence hit the, the nail on the head in terms of communication. It's, it, it's, there's no blueprint for this. None of us have ever gone through this before. So it's not like we can sort of look to um, case studies uh, in the past, uh, how to handle this. So I think it's really important just to uh, constant transparency, um, constant communication, even if it's redundant, you want to be reaching out to, to your, your tenants at all times, letting them know that you're, they're there for you letting them know that you're keeping up to date with the constant daily changing uh, messages and rules and laws that are coming from our government because that affects them. And you, can, you can't just 
expect that they're going to be the ones following it. You know, they want to know that you're up to date with everything. So we have daily emails going out to all of our tenants that is sort of, uh, in a way, uh, um, showing them that we're in tune with what Cuomo is coming out and saying every day and sort of how things are changing. Um, and uh, you also have to understand you're not going to make everybody happy in, the, in these instances. You know, we had a, an individual a couple a couple days ago that got it was upset that now he's stuck at home and we closed down the gym amenity in the basement before gyms were officially um, supposed to close in New York State. So, you know, he was upset about that. Obviously, in the end of the day, we understand that was the right move to make. But in terms of maintenance, um, we have, uh, you know, when calls come in, we we have our people. Um, primed to ask the questions of uh, trying to understand where the the potential risks, asking tenants if they've been out of the country, where they've been and so forth, understanding is it a really, as Lawrence said, is it something that is in dire need that needs to be fixed now? So based on sort of the, the how big the maintenance problem is compared to the risks we potentially see with that, that particular tenant will make the judgment call on how to handle the situation. Yeah. Now, so so I hope you're okay with me at least acknowledging this. So full disclosure, you know, Kyle is my landlord out in Buffalo, New York. So I, <laughs> I spent time between Buffalo and, and, and Brooklyn. And I know recently it was an issue with this is a suspected person having, you know, having the virus. And as a property manager, as a landlord, you know, um, there's tremendous pressure on you all to, to make sure that you're communicating as both of you have touched on. Um, you know, and, and when, we're, when we're watching in real time, and I, just being real, like my experience in going to Columbia, the moment we landed, we were screened, we had our temperatures read, um, and if you didn't pass, you weren't let into that country. You were passed out branded materials that talked about coronavirus and asked you questions in both English and Spanish. There were signage in the airport, coronavirus, English and Spanish. Um, you were on the way back, you were questioned again, leaving the country in the bathrooms where it would normally say employees must wash their hands. It now read employees, or I'm sorry, before it says employees, please wash your hands. It now read wash your hands, comma, save a life, right? So like the, 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 the focus is huge out there. And this is a country at the time that had like 40 cases in total. Um, and admittedly flying back into the United States, I strolled past customs. I was even a randomly selected person to not be questioned. Um, and there was no signage. The only time I ever heard about coronavirus was people like me on the phone talking to their family and friends discussing coronavirus. It wasn't uh, the, the, the airports or the government doing anything really to speak on it. And so, you know, because we've been so behind as a country, that's put even more onus on you all um, as these arbiters of, of information that we all are watching, right? We're all watching CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or your local network and learning what's happening in real time. So all, all that to say, you know, Kyle, in that moment, like how, how do you best handle communication when in a moment like that, people, people are hearing all kinds of information, you know, how do you best pace that, right? So that they're more understanding of, you know, this is what we're doing, so we're capable of doing and we're doing all we can. It, it really is a balancing act because at first you want to make sure that, that they learn the information from you and not someone else. Because if they learn about it from someone else and then, you know, then they, they look to their landlord as to why haven't you told us that yet. But then also as the landlord, you need to look legally. What are you allowed to say? What are you allowed to do? You know, the, the, the message that goes out to the, 
to your tenants you want read over by an attorney just to make sure that you know you're covering yourself so you want to act as quickly as possible while still covering yourself within the law so it really is a balancing act um between the both both you know between both of those aspects but i still just believe even you know just just constant transparency and honesty and and if you're if you you screw up under under those pretenses and you're trying to be honest and do the right thing uh, you know, I think you, you got a better chance of, of, of keeping those relationships than if you, you know, you're trying to follow every single piece of protocol law and so forth. And you take 24 hours to get the important message out. Yeah. To, to add on, like that's, um, it's a good point that Kyle makes in just these times is really where, you know, social solidarity is the thing that we as a country have to be on the same page with and it's going to be different in urban centers versus like more rural areas that are slower on it um but the united states we haven't yet dealt with what italy is dealing with yet and that, that will come in all likelihood with deaths piling up and then we'll see the severity and um the panic but even as we see like just as observers to, you know, the preferential treatment from people, celebrities getting tested. Meanwhile, health workers that are treating the celebrities and athletes are without tests themselves. Um, And seeing the priority of that, that can really distort a lot of things. And just historically in studying pandemics recently is like, that is one thing that really instills a lot of fear and mistrust in people when that starts happening and becomes the pervading narrative. Well, I got a question for you, David, and and I'm going to reference this back a bit to Lawrence to your point about the operational expenses that folks aren't always aware of. So I'll tie it to you in a second. But David, as a renter in New York City, as as someone who's working an active job um, with all the things that have changed in, in a matter of days, do you feel like rent should be held for tenants? Do you feel like that's a conversation to be had if you're still making, you know, still making wages? Like what, what is your own perspective on that as a healthcare professional and as a renter in, in New York City? I think it, a discussion, much to what's echoed is this is, these are unique times. Um, and having communication um, is important because we're all having to unpack a lot of uncomfortable subjects um, as it pertains to COVID-19. So I think it also depends on a case by case thing. It's hard to do a blanket um, you know, block policy for something that's unique as this, because some people are truly without work and maybe having supportive documentation to you know, show, okay, I have no hours. I had to use all my vacation, um, which I have friends in that situation. I myself, I'm fortunate enough to still have work and um, I'm covered, but I know friends that are not as fortunate and privileged in that way. So hopefully that there, there is some recourse for that, you know, among figuring out how to pay rent, you know, to that relationship dynamic um but i think yeah transparency communication documentation um in these times is and and leading with empathy 
And uh, again, solidarity are measures that we all have to take as a community. And it's, it's going to be hard in the next couple months to 18 months. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I yeah, I appreciate that insight too, because because Lawrence, one thing that you were kind of leading to, and I I thought a question to you as well, um, is is that the em- empathetic point of view, you know, from a from a landlord's perspective or property manager perspective, there's so many operational costs that go behind running, your, making your units, you know, run smoothly, um, that I think you know tenants aren't always always privy to. Um, that are lived realities, right? And so for, for both sides, sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a misalignment of communication more than it's a lack of understanding of it. So Lawrence, from your point of, point of view, same question, right? Like should, should rent be stayed at this point in time or what would be the reason why it shouldn't be if, it, if it's not? Sure, I think that it's a great question. First, I, I agree with David in the sense that um, now is the time for everyone kind of unifying I think there's this tendency for everyone to think it's a landlord's versus tenants, um, that it's so much better if there can be communication and working together to solve these things. Um, most important right now is everyone's health. So if your tenants aren't healthy or they're at risk, you need it's everyone's duty and social responsibility to help them. When it comes to paying rent, um, if the tenant doesn't have the money to pay the rent, what can they do? There's like that's such as life. If people are losing their jobs and they aren't earning the wages they need, they're just not going to pay the rent. And as a landlord, there's nothing I can do to force them to pay that rent. They just don't have the money. And that is probably an expected outcome for what will happen um, in our economy here. Uh, I think we're going to see things get much worse. We're seeing employment, unemployment uh, rate go higher. We're going to be in for some tough times. So then it becomes on the landlord side, well, okay, if my tenant can't pay the rent, how can I still pay the mortgage and all these operating expenses that I'll, that I'll have. And so um, then you've, you've got to start thinking about those solutions as well. And maybe you can coordinate with the tenant, maybe work on a payment plan instead of the full month's rent, or if there's a security deposit, maybe you're willing to take that and waive that going forward. Um, But there are also options for landlords right now as well if they are finding that they are struggling. So landlords can still apply for the Small Business Administration disaster loan that just got announced two or three days ago. Um, I think they can take up to $25,000 or $50,000 with very little effort potentially. That's something to look into. Um, Landlords can also get a line of credit if they need to. They can probably work with their mortgage company as well. All of those mortgage companies aren't looking to you know, go out of business and, and have all these foreclosures. And so a lot of them are willing to work with the landlord too. So, but a lot of that requires that communication because if the tenant doesn't tell me till the first of the month when I'm expecting the rent and then having to pay the mortgage three days later, then it's, then I, I'm kind of out of options. So sometimes it's just better to be proactive on the landlord side, proactive on the tenant side and figure it out together. Yeah. And Kyle, Kyle what are your thoughts on that, man? You know, it's, it's really a case by case basis. Um, You know, I would say is at the end of the day, how how we carry ourselves during this time is how we're going to end up being remembered. So, you know, we really just got to look at it case by case, meet with tenant by tenant. And it's got to be, the banks have to be involved in this. As as Lawrence mentioned, if you're able to get in certain situations, leniency on your debt, then you can pass that up through to tenants that need leniency on their rent and so forth. So it's really got to be a whole collective um, effort. Um, I don't think there's a black and white answer. I, I think you really got to, again, it it's continues to be transparency from your, your tenants to you, transparency from you to your tenants, 
Um, you don't want situations where there's going to be tenants who, who actually do have the financial capability of paying the rent, but are still looking for a rent break too. So you got to look out for stuff like that. So, you know, I, I know I've, I've, I was around in 08, 09, 07, 08, 09, uh, more on the commercial side, but I remember representing companies who weren't able to pay their rent. And, and what we would do is, you know, we, we would go sit down with a landlord. So we would sit, we'd have them sign an NDA and we'd say, here, look, this is our financial situation. Here are the numbers. We're, we're not, you know, we're, we're giving you the truth here. And if you could give us a four month rent abatement, you know, we'll, we'll you're, you're sort of creating. And then if that landlord's able to then get, to sit down and work with you through it, you've then created this relationship that could benefit for God knows how long. So I, I think it really, again, it just takes, it takes, conversation, communication, transparency, and looking at everything on a case-by-case basis as we go forward. Yeah, there's a couple other things that are happening uh, nationwide as well. Some states have put a stop on evictions in general for right now. So even if your tenant doesn't pay as a landlord, you're kind of limited there. Um, And I think there are talks of that going nationwide shortly. So it's also important for both the landlord and tenant to kind of know what their legal responsibilities are and on the tenant side, what their legal rights are. Because I think right now, um, depending on what state you live in, I think if you can't pay the rent, uh, you don't have to be that fearful that the landlord's just going to start packing up your stuff and kick you out. There's a lot of laws protecting those tenants already. Yeah. And yeah, but even with HUD, I mean, 6.7 million tenants are being protected by that state through April. Um, and so, you know, that, that's something that some states are putting in place uh, for, you know, normal residents. Um, and it, 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 it makes a lot of sense. I think a, what's so interesting is how quickly so many industries have, have been frozen up forcefully, um, you know, and I think now, you know, barbershops, restaurants, uh, anywhere where there's even some kind of communal gathering. Yesterday, I went, I went stocked up on some wine for the next two weeks, and there was a limit. You couldn't be more than five people to enter the store. Right. So the, these things are, are, are happening in real time as just as American citizens, as folks that are here. Um, what is you know, what has been kind of weirdly the biggest positive that's come out of it? And maybe I'm hearing a little bit of that through David's answer with the empathy. And what has been what is something that you guys are genuinely like? I don't know what's going to happen next on in terms of the scare factor. Right. Like, um, David, you know, what's been the biggest positive you've seen come out of this so far a week, at least of being quarantine to our homes it feels like um and what what's something that you know you genuinely genuinely are worried about that you're you're hopeful we can get an answer on soon um i think quickly is just seeing being out of the country for a few days is seeing how effective public health can work and people can band behind that and really look out and wear gloves wear masks um, and I'm seeing that start to trickle in New York City in this setting too. Um, things that are a bit disconcerting to me um, is again, just the leadership. Um, this should not be a politicized thing. Um, although I will give credit to Governor Cuomo, he's been one of the best like leaders in as far as governors are concerned in the United States to be proactive and transparent um, and pragmatic about hand sanitizer and shutting down restaurants and, you know, having a plan and really being proactive about it. Unlike our head of state right now, um, just to be fully aware, it's not an individualistic thing. This is 
binding us all together. So yeah, I'll, I'll leave with that. Awesome. Kyle, how about you, man? Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's amazing how I feel like physically the country's apart, but it's really bringing us all together. I mean, I, I feel closer to my employees now than I did when I was in the office two weeks ago. I feel closer to a lot of friends that I haven't talked to in a while, just because now we have the time to talk about what we're, you know, so it's like you're, you're social distancing, but you're actually, everyone seems to be coming together through all this. And that's even with extremely poor national leadership, not to make it political again, but I think that's a you know common thought. It, it, it's it, the, the company, the, the country is stronger than its leader. And I think that's pretty prevalent right now. Certainly, man. And what, what's one thing that's, you know, concerning in this process, right? Like, oh, my God, there's so much stuff that's concerning. What, what, you know, I, I, I've been trying for my own mental health to not think about what's concerning and, and really just focus on day by day and only things that you can control and not trying to predict the future. I think the people that are out there that are, well, this is going to, you know, in third quarter, we're going to be okay, or this is going to be 18 months. And it's just that you're going to drive yourself crazy trying to predict the future of something that no one's ever seen before. So I'd like to just hope that everyone can take a step back and, and, and retool their brain and their own mental health to, to take this day by day and focus on what they can control and focus on, um, you know, the 24 hour period ahead of them. I know that's easier said than done for, for a lot of people, but I've, I've taken a step back and trying to, you know, retool my brain in, in that way and so forth too. So I guess the most concerning thing is, is people's mental health during all this for me. Yeah. And, and, and to that point, you know, like I, I talked to my mom days, just a couple of days ago, uh, and she talked about how like with the way the stock market's gone, she's lost tens of thousands towards her retirement. Right. Like, so it, it, it's, it's not even just actual lived cash on hand um and being able to pay your mortgage or your rent it, it's what future what does the future look like for me you know if things don't bounce back the way we, we hope and anticipate they will um but that's those are real thoughts right and, and it, to your point Kyle, i'll come back to the mental like how do how are we best bracing ourselves and or um surrounding ourselves with love even though they're physically maybe not here um how do you do that even when we're self-distancing so I, I'd, I'd echo that as well um lawrence your, your thoughts on it man uh, positive and and a, and, a, and a concern coming out of this sure well it's tough to really say positives in that way i think um anytime you have a huge disaster or crisis like this um there are opportunities that come about more so than there are positives i'd say so i think you had mentioned um it's tough seeing celebrities getting tests and non-celebrities or or uh, lower income people not getting tests. And I think this is highlighting to us that there are some income inequalities occurring. And so it's an opportunity for us to take advantage of that now and do things that are gonna maybe right some of those things. Um, I'm fearful that we won't do that, but it's an opportunity there. I think there's other opportunities where we're seeing that our healthcare system wasn't as ready or still isn't as ready for something like this um, as other countries have been or even just as we should have been. And I think it's now an opportunity for us to learn from that and improve the system for the next time something like this happens because it's almost a guarantee another one of these will happen. Um, I, I agree with Kyle that, you know, it's, it's kind of not favorable that everyone's stuck in their houses working apart from each other, but I, I can share that same sentiment with my own team um, and friends and family that I feel more together um, fighting for the same causes them than I have in the past with other things. 
Something that concerns me in general is just where the economy will head. Um, certainly, given enough time, the economy will return and recover and be just fine, but we just don't know how long that will be and how much suffering will occur in that time frame. Um, I know that part of the goal with you know, the isolation that we're doing now is to, you know, quote unquote, flatten the curve. Um, and that's great. If we're successful at doing that, I think we'll have less people get sick, less people die. But I think that also prolongs the state that we're going to be in here for, um, which is going to hurt the economy. We're going to be at home longer. So there's a positive and negative, which is concerning to me with the, the flatten the curve. I think it's the right path. That's the only path we have to flatten it. But it definitely prolongs, I think. Um, everything else that's going to hurt the economy. Yeah, and I mean, in, in with the moves that the government is making now, the in, in injection of capital into the, the, the situation, I'm talking about a trillion dollars, right? And it's probably going to be way more than that, which is the biggest involvement the government's had in any economic situation since the Great Depression. Um, so there's a, 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 and you're seeing, you know, bipartisan, you know, um, agreement on the fact of how important this is. Um, I think if I, if I was to answer that same question myself, the, the biggest pro, I, I'd probably echo all three of you guys, right? Like one of the pros is that they're, we're, we're getting to come together. And I've, I've, I've always been critical of social media because I feel like it's the idea of it at the core was to connect us, right? And we, we have done that. I think we have, we can talk to cousins and uncles in different countries that we may have never been able to talk to the same way through social media. Um, but I think it's done a good job of separating us because oftentimes we're looking at this and not each other. But what's, what's been interesting about social distancing is that um, there, there always has to be like a common enemy. And, and the common enemy is the coronavirus. And so because of that, there's that, that, that fabric that ties us all together to be like, hey, did you get groceries yet? Hey, how are you feeling? Hey, I know you were coughing last week. Are you good? Right? Like those, those things are, are very real. Um, so I, I think that is a, a, a opportunity to, to you can either uh, you know focus on it and jump into it, or you can ignore it and, and kind of live in a cave for a few weeks or for a few months. Um, so I think that's an opportunity, like you said, Lawrence, or a positive. Worry, my worries are very similar to right economically. What does that look like? You know, um, as a, I, I have a mindset company, we're, we're in the middle of a fundraise. Um, and, and actually, actually we weren't until we were told you probably want to raise now because money might dry up in the next few months. But the more I talk to VCs, I find that their, their mental and venture capitalists, their mental on it is this will pass. They're looking at seven year to 10 year horizons. So, um, in that capacity, you know, if you were raising a series, maybe C, D or E, where I'm looking at a three year flip. It's a little bit different, but in our position, we're, we're a lot younger than that as a company. So it, it actually hasn't had much of an impact. If anything, it maybe accelerated some of the progress. Um, but we're also in housing, you know, which is, I always say, like, recession safe, not recession proof, right? So, um, so I guess the, the concern is uh, on, a, on a grander scale, what does it look like? What does that integration process look like of getting back to normal? And is normal even what we want based on what we're seeing now with the disparities, as, as David had mentioned, um, with just how economic disparities are, are playing into who's getting tested and who's not. Um, and so, yeah, those are those would be the same things, uh, I'd say, too. Um, I guess as we kind of wrap up here, what is everyone's advice to folks um, around the U.S.? And, and Lawrence, I'll start with you on that. Sure. I mean, my advice is to honestly, at this time, follow what the government is telling us. Um, you know, like as renters, as landlords, we're not healthcare professionals, most of us. So we don't know 
we're not educated enough. And I think this is a time where a lot of gossip and rumors are going around. Um, this past week alone, we had three or four times where in our company Slack channel, someone said, hey, there's going to be a government shutdown starting at two o'clock. And it happened three times in a row. So there's just so much gossip and rumors. I know there was a uh, this fake Stanford article that went around saying, hey, here's some of the healthcare stuff you need to do, like hold your breath for 10 seconds. And if you can, you don't have it. And it was just, it was all fake. I think now's the time where we just really need to be diligent about listening to the right sources um, and, and following those instructions, taking it seriously. I still, when I look out my window, I still see a lot of people outside kind of hanging out um, against the advice of government. And so I think it's it's time to button up the hatches and and do what do what we're told a little bit so that we can return to that normal that we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, and there there was that family in New Jersey. I think it's eight members. Four of them have passed away from coronavirus. And you think about the intergenerational conversation that was happening at their dinner table, that unfortunately has led to that outcome um, where the mom was even saying, you know, you're 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 mourning one, and then it happens to another, and you can't even mourn the other. You got to worry about the next. So it, it's not just it's a, it's not just a community thing and, and you know you, you see the, the young people out in Cocoa Beach Florida or um, out in Clearwater and still enjoying spring break and you know it's it's not just about you in terms of you feeling sick where we're seeing in the U.S. more cases amongst people between 20 and 54 than most so that's already alarming um, but the second part is you can be a, a asymptomatic carrier um, and we all have parents and grandparents who you know, who can be adversely affected simply because of underlying health conditions that they may or may not know about, or just out of age. Um, and I even, with my siblings, I have three other siblings, we talked about, don't go home to mom and dad right now. Like, it, it sounds great. It sounds like it'd be an awesome time to catch up with family, but catch up with them like this, because you, we, we just don't know. And we've been exposed to so many folks. Um, at this point, you're just kind of hopeful for everyone's safety. Um, David, how about you, man? What would be your, your advice to folks at home? Um, I would echo some of what Lawrence said, but, um, with the caveat of maybe not the government per se, but trust the scientists and the doctors. Um, I'm glad you said the sources, the CDC or Center for Disease Control, um, World Health Organization. Dr. Fauci. Yeah. Well, those those people are unbiased and, you know, we granted they can't make policy, but they can make suggestions based on empirical science and research that they know um, as trusted sources. So that's something I strongly suggest um, for folks to, to utilize um, as they are purveyors of doing good for the common good. Awesome. And Kyle? I mean, I, I would just, you know, sort of reiterate what I said before. We have to stay positive. We have to, you know, positivity through all this goes a long way. I think we have to focus on, on, on what we can control. I think we, um, you know, trying to, to, to predict where this is going, how long it's going to be, getting upset that there's all the spring breakers on floor, in Florida. I mean, it's just it, what good does that do for us to, I mean, I'm equally as ticked to see, that many people partying and, and on the beaches in Florida, it's irresponsible. But at the same time, me continuing to get upset about it. What is that doing for me mentally right now? So I think everyone's got to stay positive. Everyone has to understand we've gotten through worse as a country. 
and we've come out stronger before and we're going to again. And those that are positive and, and act the appropriate way through all this will come out in a better position than those that aren't. Sure, certainly, certainly. Hey, fellas, well, I really appreciate you guys joining me for this conversation. Um, next time we'll, we'll, we'll mix it up. I'm sure it's gonna be the last conversation, but we'll mix it up and get some women on, on board as well. Cause uh, you know, they might be experiencing other things as well. Um, so uh, usually I would end this with where can people find you? I will still do that. But also if you want to throw in there, um, maybe uh, a resource you have or that you recommend, uh, please do. Um, because I think that's very important to folks at home. I will start by saying that um, WIL.co, we're going to have con content coming coming out, resources where you can go um, in, in cities that have been mostly affected across the U.S. Um, our, our social media at WYL Community will, and, and at WYL Podcast will continue to post information that's helpful to folks, um, some of which David has already uh, talked about. Um, and as ex Executive Director of Build, he mentioned he will be doing more, more, you know, speaking more to the issues. So we'll have some video content coming out around that as well to stay safe. Um, but that's, that's us. Uh, and, and you all know where to find me. Um, Kyle, you can kick it off in terms of where people can find you and any recommendations on resources too. In terms of finding me, uh, my email address, what are we, are we, what are we? Usually, usually people will throw their, their Instagram, whatever you feel comfortable with, you know? Like, so if, if you also just want to be like, Hey, look, I have resources on deck. That's fine too. Or yeah, Simonelli group.com. Any, anywhere that you want to reach out to me, I'm fine with my Instagram handle, which I don't even know offhand. I might have to look at my phone. Right now. <laughs> uh, oh, good. My, my, my email is kyle.simonelli at, at gmail.com, kyle.simonelli at gmail.com. Happy to talk to anyone about any of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, in this day and age, um, I'm sure you can find how to get to me fairly easily. Awesome, man. Awesome. Uh, Lawrence, how about you, man? Sure. Um, well, we've got a bunch of content and resources that we publish, uh, specific, specifically some templates for landlords and tenants to use with each other and how to communicate properly, and then links to the CDC um, and some of the Small Business Administration loan stuff that we've got. So to find that, you can go to avail.co, so A-V-A-I-L.co slash COVID, C-O-V-I-D, and all those resources are there free to use for everyone. Awesome, awesome. And David, you can wrap us up, man. Sure. Um, if my Instagram handle is uh, Dave, D-A-V-E, Le. L-E Mutt, M-U-T-T. Um, and my email is uh, david at wyl.co. So that's a, a way to get in direct contact with me. And um, yeah, as far as resources, CDC is very up to date, up to the hour. Um, NIH, National Institute of Health, it's another one.gov. Um, WHO is another one. Johns Hopkins has a very good um, map up to the hour of uh, the globe and how yeah, the pick is going in real time. So Johns Hopkins has a, a good site that you can, it's a little bit more engaging too, just to see how it's uh, the prevalence of it and also containment. What was that last awesome. one, David? Containment? Yeah, containment. So. Yeah, like for instance, China's done a pretty good job in terms of uh, there's only like, they've reduced it to about 100 new cases per day, while other like neighboring countries outside of China still have like um, a risk rate of 
400 new cases per day. So I mean, you multiply that and factor in the deaths and overwhelmed hospitals and health workers, you know, 100 to 400 from how it started in China, comparatively speaking, um, is statistically significant for sure. And, and, and one thing I will say in terms of the one caveat about China is we get some, a lot of stuff is true and a lot of stuff we, we just don't know, just being candid about how they've attacked information before. Um, I know in Wuhan, they said, I think the last couple of days, they've had no new cases. Wuhan, Wuhan was the, the kind of the epicenter, uh, which has now moved to Italy um, at this point. Um, but they did put out a video where all the nurses are taking off their surgical masks. Um, or not surgical masks, they're like N95s. Um, We'll see. I mean, I, I know that state media is state media run, um, but at the end of the day, they've been offering a lot of help to other nations that has proven to be fruitful. So uh, I, would, I would echo what David is saying as well in terms of at least it definitely is progress from what we're seeing in other countries. Um, all that said, I want to, you know, special shout out and, and thank you to folks like David, healthcare professionals, medical professionals like my parents, um, who are on the front lines of a lot of these things, whether it's directly or indirectly. Um, they're, they're doing work and they're not at home, right? They're, they're you know, they're, they're speaking on it. They're out there doing it. Um, you know, prayerfully, they'll get the resources they need in terms of more mass. I know that, you know, you have, I think, Christian Siriano, I think probably messing up his name, fashion designer is going to have his team building more masks and creating more masks, right? Um, I know New York City sending a million more to uh, New York State, sending a million more masks to New York City. Um, so, you know, kudos to all the folks that are, are having to Lysol down already used, uh, you know, mask and equipment, um, PPE, you know, um, you know, just it's, it's, it's a crazy time. And I think that with uh, everything that's going on, I want to make sure that those health professionals are given a shout out and knowing that we, we see them and we, we love, with, love them for what they're doing for our country and for folks all over the world. So for you all, I want to thank you again for ha having you guys on the show. Thanks for joining us. Lawrence, Kyle, David, Franz, thanks for always holding us down with the podcast production and making everything come together. Um, WYL Take Ownership Podcast, where we're taking ownership of our mental, our economics, and our community. Thank you for joining us as always, folks at home. Stay safe, stay loved. Peace. <laughs>